where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we tether ourselves to Jordan Peele's 2019 horror allegory, Us, starring Lupita Nyong'o. Us tells the story of a woman named Adelaide who, while on vacation with her family in her childhood home, is haunted by the doppelganger she encountered as a little girl. Can't believe how big they've got. Did you hear Gabe got a boat? Daddy. <laughs> He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? 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 Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. Uh, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Or we kill them. There are many theories about what this movie is really about. I wanted to hear your thoughts on what you think the allegory is. I don't think there are any wrong answers. And I feel like Jordan Peele designed it that way. Yeah. I thought of it as having the people underground just being totally forgotten. And as it was explained in the movie, it was an experiment that the government tried to control people above ground. I believe they figured out how to make a copy of the body, but not the soul. The soul remains one, shared by two. They created the tethered, so they could use them to control the ones above. Like puppets. But they failed, and they abandoned the tethered. For generations, the tethered continued without direction. They all went mad down here. It's kind of like telling a story about how there's a lot of people that are marginalized and don't have access or opportunities. It's a real life thing in the world and in our country. And the fact that, well, I'm giving it away, but like Adelaide, (laughs) who you think is the tether, the original Adelaide is actually her tether. She ended up being able to dance. She had a family. She thrived. 
So much of people's lives depends on their opportunities that are available to them, their level of resources, accesses. It just made me think about that. Yeah. I don't think it's an accident either that Adelaide couldn't have gotten there if she hadn't hurt another person in the process. She had to step on someone to get to where she was able to have access to those things. What it takes to pull yourself up. And then from Red's perspective, what it takes for her to pull herself out of there is years of struggling and planning and coordination. and, And she definitely didn't have the same access to resources and opportunities that's what diy looks like that's like that's right. a pretty Stress. yeah exactly right. yeah <laughs> that's pretty fucked up it was almost distracting to me how it's like so clearly about a lot you want to be taking notes or raising your hand like okay i get it for me what like stood out i felt that it was sort of condemning the reagan era america and just capitalism in general like very specifically american capitalism on the surface it looks like everything is going great everyone's doing well what a great country and then underneath literally underneath basically everything good we have was built on the backs of someone else that's what i saw the most and then how they switched that it's how much your circumstances at birth are going to dictate your entire life we want to tell ourselves people who are on the bottom are there because they're not as smart or as skilled as the cream that rose to the top and it's just total coincidence that it's mostly white men they're just better at everything, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> and I feel like he's really going for it there with the hands across America. Thing. Yeah. Like how Americans really love an empty gesture. Absolutely. You know? Performative. Yeah. What yeah. has 12 million eyes, 192 million teeth, and stretches from the Golden Gate Bridge all the way to the Twin Towers? It's Hands Across America, a 4,000-mile-long chain of good Samaritans standing hand-in-hand through fields of grain, past purple mountains and across fruited plains from sea to shining sea that's right this summer six million people will tether themselves together to fight hunger in the united states visit your local record shop to find out how you can be a part of hands across america it's funny that it feels topical for this year. Hands Across America to me is like Nancy Pelosi ripping the State of the Union speech. It's like, prove everything that Trump wants to do and then you're going to rip his speech up and people are going to act like you're some hero. You know? like, right. Fucking give people a stimulus check. I don't care about the paper that the speech was written. Like that kind of thing. The totally meaningless, feel-good gesture of, oh look, we're all holding hands. And we're right. like all the dead bodies that were left behind to get there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I really like that Adelaide and Red are basically like a nature versus nurture debate. Everybody has their doppelganger, but when we get to know the two of them, it really is like to get to the same place, this is what they had to do. And both of them had to hurt people. Yeah. Neither of them could have gotten there without hurting people. I mean, there's definitely an allusion to slavery there with the Underground Railroad and what it takes to get to freedom. And I think the tethers are definitely slavery adjacent because they were created to serve the government I guess it falls apart if you examine it all too closely like the mythology and practicality of what it all means yeah I think you have to go in accepting it as a metaphor it's not something that you can make any sense like when they're mimicking the movements of people underground it's like okay are they traveling along with them right or the eating rabbits like how far does this go and how they couldn't really live off of just a diet of meat because humans are omnivores and we need different nutrition i think it's not meant to hold up under scrutiny it's just fine i mean it's meant to be an allegory
Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. I have hot probs relating to that and then I have other hot probs, but... Let's talk about the hot probs. We don't have to go too hard into the, I don't know, the realism of it. I feel like Jordan Peele does straight out the gate show that it's a fairy tale by that long shot of the rabbits. And rabbits are just such a fairy tale image and having them all be in that cage and looking at their eyes. He's just basically being like, this is not meant to be literal, (laughs) but... Like some people can't take themselves out or something like that. The rabbits with the red eyes and they're all in the cages on the one big wall. It's very creepy. (laughs) There were just like the visuals that like the... The way the shots were in the movie. Yes, I absolutely love the way he shoots a horror film. Mm -hmm. He's very into things being centered in frame, and that's just for some reason a really spooky way to shoot anything, is to have it be completely centered. When you're watching like a naturalistic movie, everything's kind of off to the side, one way or the other. If it's filmed straight on, it looks wrong. He loves to do that. I feel like there's meaning in every single frame in his movies. Yeah. Yeah. But one of my hot props, even within the mythology of the movie is why does red start acting like a tether as soon as she's underground when they do the swap right away she's under control of adelaide above and what is it about being underground that makes you so if they have to share a soul but it seems like the tethers didn't get it's not an even split it's like a 70 30 kind of thing (laughs) why does it switch so drastically right away why is Red suddenly a tether when she's underground? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when she started, there was a scene at the friend's home. There's a fight scene with one of the tethers and she starts grunting in the way that the other tethers are. And then when she's underground and fighting, she's, she's sort definitely... of like sounding more mm-hmm. like the tethers do. They don't have a language. Yeah, that is She's reverting to her sort of raw yeah, tether state. Raw. Did we hear her talk before they swapped? No. I mean, I think it's implied that she couldn't talk because she suddenly wasn't talking when she's in the car. She won't say what they're driving home from. Well, but then they have her with a therapist and she's like, I want my little girl back. So what is it? I think she has post-traumatic stress disorder. She wasn't in nine. Okay, she got lost. For 15 minutes, that's... That can be very scary. I mean, you don't know what happened to her. Anything could have happened okay. to her. So, so how, how do we get her to talk? Look, I think we need to encourage her to draw, to write, to dance, anything to help her tell us her story. <laughs> I just want my little girl back. I thought it was, okay, she stopped talking after this experience. Maybe it's meant to be unclear. What Red was like before she became a tether? You mean before she even went into the fun house, did she talk? Yeah. Yeah, she's like, I want, she said what prize she wanted, and she said she didn't have to go to the bathroom when her mom went to the bathroom. Yeah, she was acting like a pretty normal girl. Right now, you could walk away with a prize from the second level, or you could keep going for a prize from the third level. Okay, what do you think, Eddie? Should we stop? Or keep going? Don't look at me, it's your birthday. I want number 11. Yeah? That one? I wondered if she is the one who's trapped down there, would she have used her language down there and maybe the tethers could talk or learn a language? I wondered about that. Yeah, to me, it seemed like she just immediately adapted to being a tether. She obviously was a little different because she had this plan that she started hatching and everything. (laughs) Right. But you don't really see that. The only time you see her underground, really, is waking up 
and she's chained to the bed. And then you see her when she's dancing while Adelaide's up top doing her performance. And she's like, that's when I had my awakening or I saw God or whatever, was when she was dancing. Years after we met, the miracle happened. That's when I saw God and he showed me my path. You felt it too. The end of our dance, the tether saw that I was different, that I would deliver them from this misery. I found my faith and I began to prepare. I feel like that's just part of the point he's trying to make with this movie is that your circumstances count for so much more than your nature, than your abilities. Maybe all the tethers have that potential as well. You know what I mean? Maybe it's sure. not really any difference between the tethers and whatever we call them, the regulars. But it's like they're sure, yeah. Yeah. the salt mines or whatever. I think it's like, the idea, you know, if you tell a child you can't do anything, then they believe that. You know, they don't right. know what they're capable of doing. You yeah. can ruin a child, you know, right. if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're right. That is what he was going for. That all these people could, the only reason they aren't is because they don't think they can. Right. That's not exactly right because they really are very limited in terms of their resources and what they have access to. But right. yeah, but that's the idea is that if they were in a different circumstance, they could be regular people but they're in this circumstance which prevents them from rising up like how people justified slavery isn't it that they said a slave is three-fifths of a person i was wondering how much of her origin story that she's telling is really what it was or how much of it is her interpretation of it because who told her all that you know (laughs) how did she know that or was that just her saying i think this is how this happened and maybe she's kind of boiled it down to sort of a child's understanding of what it really was And obviously she believes in God, and so she believes in souls and God, and there's no indication within the movie that she's right about that. It's just what she thinks is going on. Until one day, the shadow realized she was being tested by God. We're just taking her at her word because we don't have anybody else to contradict that. But it's very possible that there are regular humans who were locked underground for years and years. Right. Yeah, and, and Red, when she first speaks by the fire with the family, and she's like, we had Christmas, but it was... It's almost like she had a life, but it wasn't... Like her toys were sharp and stabbed her fingers right. when there were scissors. Then... I guess she just got scissors every year. Yeah. <laughs> On Christmas, the girl received wonderful toys. With the shadows, toys were so sharp and cold, they'd slice through her fingers when she tried to play with them. The girl met a handsome prince and fell in love with the shadow. At that same time, met Abraham. It didn't matter if she loved him or not. He was tethered to the girl's prince. After all, while you fell in love with this person and had a family, she didn't have any choices. It made me wonder, are the tethers just this vessel that the government plans every individual's fate and somehow 
they're just puppets. They're not necessarily controlling their counterpart. They're just kind of a puppet the government controls to control their counterparts. Yeah. She said the government abandoned the project, so they were left down there for generations. So whatever the original intent was with the government, it had its own momentum, basically. Or maybe they just, just didn't realize they had choices because it had been like that the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There's so many different questions that are coming up, like, I mean, just as we're talking about Yeah, it. and I mean, it just sounds like, yeah. like the government is like, okay, we thought you were going to be of some use to us, and you're not, so you're on your own. I mean, maybe that was the thing, was that they weren't able to control them, right. and that's why they abandoned the project. They're like, oh, you're actually having too much autonomy so we're just gonna leave you down here i wonder i don't know i feel like there needs to be like a prequel to this i'm always lamenting that dvds with commentary tracks aren't really that much of a thing anymore i know god i would listen to three commentary tracks of this everybody involved in the movie probably has a different theory because i have a feeling that jordan peele was like what do you think That seems like the kind of directing style we'd have. So yeah, I'd want to hear like every single principal actor yeah. talk about their theory and then everybody, like the director of photography, have the Lord of the Rings DVDs, the effects people have a commentary track. I want like everybody who made this movie to talk about their theories. Yeah, that's so true. They don't do that anymore. Well, I think it's like all the special DVDs. People don't really buy DVDs, yeah. yeah. I do. And I, I do. Totally. Yeah. I, just, I love listening to commentary tracks. It is so open to interpretation. It is very much like, my name is Dick and you can touch me, but you can see it both ways kind of situation. (laughs) Yes, that's totally good. (laughs) But I do have one more, which is how did Red communicate the plan with all the tethers? How did they all know if it was like across America? How did they all know to do that? And was it really across America or was it just like the Santa Cruz area? I mean, that's the thing. Hands across America misses like a lot of the country. You know, if you just draw a line Mm -hmm. from California to somewhere on the East Coast, that's barely any of the country. That's true. And I think that's all it was or was supposed to be was just a line across the country. You know, it didn't hit the North and the South. It is just such a perfect metaphor for America, isn't it? Right. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> we solved, we solved I think it was like for homelessness or something. I don't even remember. Racism? I think it was maybe hunger. Oh, yeah. I think that's what that that right. the Poor, poor like, people yeah, and hunger. And all we were all about performative feeding of hungry kids yeah. back then, like the whole Sally Struthers. Your 70 cents will put one of these otherwise doomed boys or girls into a clean and bright CCF daycare center put life-giving medicine into a dying little body, nourishing food into a little stomach, education into an impoverished little mind. Did you? They're like, just kidding, we bought them all Bibles. (laughs) They're still hungry. (laughs) But we think God will save them now because they've been converted. So I think it was really interesting, too, that he made Red religious. But then Adelaide seemed to not be very religious. Adelaide never says anything about God. But Red yeah. mentions God at least twice. And the Jeremiah 11, 11 Bible yeah. reference. Right before she got kidnapped. That was one of the last things she saw was that guy holding that sign. Yeah. I mean, it might be a commentary like people cling to faith when they don't have anything else. Why would Adelaide believe in God? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely. I forget exactly what the quote is, but it's like... I can read it. Hold on, let me find it. Oh, I wrote it down. Let me get my biblical voice on. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape, and though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Why is 
I know. Like, yeah. Why does anyone so want to do anything yeah. to that guy? <laughs> he's the fucking worst. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is Abraham. I think where he's like, "Kill your child to prove you love." Him. Just kidding. I can't believe you're really gonna do that. You know. I know. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you would. Right. God is the ultimate dick prankster. I know. It's only picture of like he was really gonna do it. Laugh my ass off. Yeah. Totally. And it is probably not a coincidence that Red's husband is Abraham. There's definitely a lot there. There's like Pluto as her son is one of the gods of the underworld. I forget what the one was with her daughter, but they all had meaningful names. It is really interesting how all the tethers have their own names, right? That's symbolic. (laughs) They are their own people, even though they're (laughs) tethered to these other people. Just the way that they show up at the driveway. That is so And their (laughs) just their silence Mm -hmm. is terrifying. I remember watching it in the movie theater and I'm like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, he's so good at building up suspense. Um, Yeah, I do love that whole scene where Gabe is his process that he goes through where he's like, I'm just going to go out there and talk to them. And then he's like, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to get the bat. And then he's like, just kidding, I'm going to lock the door, we're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) And I also love how they call the police, and the police are 14 minutes away, and then of course they never even show up. Okay, let's call the cops. I did. They're 14 minutes away. What? 14 minutes? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. Jason, give me the bat. What bat? The baseball bat, the bat. There's one in the corner. Here, here. Thank you. Gabe. All right, hold on. I got this. Let's try this again. Gabe. No, 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 no. All right. Gabe. I got this. I got this. You can't call the police ever. Yeah. There's no point. It's a waste of t- <laughs> If anything, the worst case scenario is that they do show up and fuck everything up. Just don't call the police. Right. Three hours later, they'll come write something down and never follow up. What would we do without them? Yeah. yeah. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, they come and murder you. Right. Yeah. Which is also, it's another privilege sort of thing about how this black family feels like they can call the police. There's just so much of this movie. It's just wall-to-wall symbolism. Well, like the fuck the police. Yeah, call the police, playing fuck the police. Yeah, I love that. Please, stop. Stopping good vibrations by the Beach Boys. Ophelia. Ophelia, call the police. Sure, playing fuck the police by N.W.A. That's also so accurate. It really is. You know, that the AI gets something wrong. It's like someone who's half listening. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'm pretty sure he said, please put the police. When they first get to the house, and then Adelaide is like, no, we're not going to the beach. We have a summer home by the beach. And don't go to the beach. What about the beach right here? What beach? There's a beach right there. That is not a beach. That is a bay. That is a shore. I'm talking about a real beach with people and sand and amusement park. There's like, it's crowded there. And like, there's weirdos at the beach. And I'm not going to that beach. We're not going. Okay, I guess I'll just cancel then. Okay. Just sucks is all. I mean... Well, Jason really was looking forward to it. It It's the first time I've been back here since Grandma died. I know it's been pretty hard on him. (sighs) 
we leave before dark. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's gonna be great. And you're gonna enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little strange that they wouldn't have had a conversation about whether to go to the beach before they planned their beach vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. Why did you think we were coming here? <laughs> this is the first time this has come up that you're like, you're absolutely not going to the beach. And she clearly hadn't mentioned any of it, that she had to tell her story after being weird for a while. I mean, that's classic. This very important thing that I never mentioned before now. <laughs> right, yeah. This book I just finished where it's like, if two people had had a conversation any time in the last six months, <laughs> like, none of this would have. I don't know if he would have believed her. More than anything, this makes sense why she wouldn't have mentioned it before. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Because why wouldn't she just be like, something fucked up happened to me and I don't like that beach? It's just weird. They could have had the same conversation before they left because it ends on, okay, we'll go, but we're leaving by 7. I don't know. It's just funny. Like, are you planning a vacation and nobody's talking about what they want to do? Right. Like, are you packing a bunch of beach stuff? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, your friends are also going. That was a little puzzling. Also, they were just getting there, but their friends... It was their last day. Yeah. <laughs> they were leaving the next day. I don't know. They didn't seem to coordinate very well. Yeah, good with plans. <laughs> I think that was my only other hot prod. Next call. You blow it tonight, girl, and it's keggers with kids all next year. Oh, I should have asked mm -hmm. before we started. Because you've appeared on Keggers with Kids I before, have. but yeah. I do. Okay, so it's no okay. Problem. Right, I'm always like wary. I'm not like dead naming. Yeah. So for Keggers with Kids, we're with my older child who has appeared on Paid and Puke before with their old name, Lucy. Mm -hmm. you know and they are now known as Logan. Yep. So tell us some of your thoughts on um, us. It was good. It was definitely something you had to like really think over because it was a lot of plot. But it was really good. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a good amount of like scariness and then like also like comedy. I think it was just a really good movie overall. It was mm -hmm. fun. I like stuff with like a lot of like little bits of foreshadowing or hidden parts. A lot of Jordan Peele movies. Did you see the twist coming? A little, sort of. I guess. I don't know. I was just kind of blaming it like, oh, she must be like really traumatized from that experience and doesn't want to be here. So not really but kind of. Did you just watch it the one time? Did I? I think you saw it twice. No, yeah, I saw it twice, because yeah. I watched it again with you. Right. So I saw it twice. What did you pick up on the second watch that you didn't pick up on the first? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess a lot more of the hints mm -hmm. about how uncomfortable she was being back at the house and her, like, oh, being right. confused about stuff. It seems like there's so much meaning to that movie. Did you take any message from it? This is one of those movies that feels like it's really about something else, yeah. right? I don't know. I wasn't super sure what it was about, but it was definitely about something else. Like, I feel like a lot of lines that seemed very crazy, like when they were like, we're American citizens. I am people. We're Americans. So it's like, well, that yeah. means something. Yeah. Or the hands across yeah, the hands America across thing, America. right? Yeah. Definitely. Did you have a favorite part? I don't think so. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Or like a scariest part? Um, I guess like when she was little and walking through mm. the place. That was pretty creepy. That was fun. I did really like the scene um, with the youngest kid and like the lighter and the Ugh, other kid. Yeah. That was a fun scene. And it was also cool because he had so much more control, not just over the tethered, but over like the situation than everyone else did. And I thought mm -hmm. that was interesting was so much more calm but also like tense yeah the younger kid really did seem yeah. to have it 
you know. One could had it down. One thing I, I can't believe I didn't even think of before I watched it the second time, like it would definitely change how you look at it the second time, is to realize that the kids... Her kids are half yeah, like tethered. tethered. Maybe like yeah. that's why he had more control mm-hmm. over that because he had something he could tap into a little bit. Yeah, you know, he has control over his yeah. doppelganger. He had a lot of control. He did. Over the doppelganger. Yeah, I liked the girl because she felt like a very accurate representation of like a teenager. Out of all movies, she just felt very accurate. Like when she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to bed." I'm like, "No, she's not. She has her headphones in. She's not going to bed. <laughs> right. She's not her headphones in." <laughs> Come on. Just doing her own thing a lot yeah. of the time. Or like, I want to drive. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drive. She's, I have the highest Look how many people count. I killed. Right. I get to drive. <laughs> I just like the line, oh, I forgot no one cares about the end of the world. I just really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that character a lot. Cool. All right. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. That was fun. I didn't really have a, a lot of hot... Pr- I mean, I had a lot of questions. A lot of things seemed really buttoned up. You know, like, everything was very deliberate, I guess. Like, he really knew what he wanted to do. In the end, where Adelaide's fighting Red, and she goes to find Jason, she knows exactly which locker he's in, and I was just like, whoa. How did she know he was, like, right in that one? That was, like, the only little thing that I... Like, so... Minor. Was it her locker? I don't know. Earlier in the flashback, they show a locker open that has the Hands Across America t-shirt in it. Oh. That was was. what she was wearing before she put the Thriller shirt on over it. So maybe she put him in her locker, and that's why Adelaide knew. Oh, I thought he just hit himself or something. The detail of the Hands Across America commercial, and then it pans out and shows like the Rattan Media Center that the TV's in. Winston Duke, he's watching TV. It's the same media console. Oh, yeah. They're watching TV on. I love all the details like that. And just like the t shirt. I wondered, there are two people wearing black flag yeah. t shirts. Mm-hmm. I wondered mark, what, what's black flag about. Was that his favorite band as a kid? I mean, they're a very like anti Reagan era political punk rock band. Oh, they yeah. definitely had a lot of songs about the failed American dream. But I do think that you're right, it's like very steeped in Reagan era ideals that's the america that trump wants again that's what he's going for in a way but like worse somehow (laughs) he's like reagan but worse i thought it was interesting that the person with the black flag shirt in 1986 in the beginning is on the boardwalk working at one of the game booths in the present day it's one of tim heidecker's daughters in the shirt it's just kind of like reminds me of you know how you can get lots of punk rock shirts yeah she probably hasn't even right, heard of the black yeah. flag. The original guy's wearing it it's like in earnest. Guy right. Like, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Oh my god, there's there really is so much in this fucking movie. Like that yeah. opening, I'm sure every VHS tape that's sitting there. Oh yeah, I wrote them all down. I looked at sure. them. Although when I got wrong, because I looked it up later, I thought it said Thursday night, but it did and it said Fright Night, maybe? Oh. Did it say Fright Night? The right stuff. The first three I could read were Chud, which is about monsters who live underground. Beneath the city of New York are living catacombs, an endless maze of subterranean tunnels, unfit for anything human, unauthorized for anything experimental, and unlikely to bring anyone down there. So... (laughs) 
cut. Goonies, which Red references later, because she says it's our time. It's our oh, time. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. It's our time now. Our and then Toxic Avenger. Everyone hated Melvin. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste, transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. A superhero created from toxic waste. So kind of like failed government experiments creating super creatures. Yeah, everything means something. That's like my favorite kind of script is something that's got a bunch of stuff set up and then paid off later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I feel like Get Out is a perfect script from out. start to finish. People should study that shit in screenwriting class. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Every single line is meaningful and pays off. In the yeah. first act pays off in the third. It's so fucking tight. So many jump scares. Yeah. Even watching it the second time, I was still like, ugh. But I feel like so they're bad. not cheap jump scares. Right. They're really well crafted. Yeah. Like the two daughters around the car. That is such a tense scene where she's just like looking oh, in right, the window, right, right, right. smiling right. through the window. Yeah. Oh, God. And yes. then she looks under, but then she doesn't see the feet, but then she hears her jump on top oh, of God, the car. That's scary. Oh, that's just so well crafted, and that's a way to make it scary without the cheap cat jumping out kind of thing. He's so well studied in the horror arts. I love how you can just feel his love for movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the girl lands in a tree and is twisted up in the tree and red. She's worried. It seems like Adelaide, she's yeah. worried about her. Like she wants to go check on her, and you get this feeling like they're all connected. You know. Yeah, she's like, definitely she, conflicted about the kids. To the kid, yeah. yeah, the kids. She kind of just goes checks on her, and because that girl is basically still trying to kill her till she literally dies, she's like, okay. I guess I don't have to do anything to help you. But when Pluto is walking into the fire, she's like, no, no, stop, don't do that. While her son is making it happen. It is really interesting to think about their connection. Like you were saying in the Keggers with Kids, how her kids are half tether, but that makes Red's kids half human. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And how they're kind of all human, really. Like the point is that there isn't a difference between them. It's a very enforced divide but it's not real. The divide that is created by the government. Yeah. So that we don't rise up together against them, basically. I feel like they both have maternal instincts. Red doesn't kill any kids either. The scene in the very end where Jason is looking at his mom and the knowing, like, Mm -hmm. oh, that yeah. I you. love that kid. That yeah. was like such an awesome child actor. I love him. Yeah, he's been, I feel like both the kids are amazing. Yeah, you kind of forget that they're the same person. Yeah. They're so different. <laughs> Let's not forget Winston Duke, who I also think is fantastic. Yeah. First of all, I just love that he's basically doing a Jordan Peele as a dad. Like his yeah. Gabe is goofy dad Jordan Peele. Yeah. Like that's how I imagine Jordan Peele is at home. The Wi-Fi's not working. You don't need the internet. You've got the outer net. Good one. And then he's so scary as Abraham. Yeah. And it's the same guy and he's fighting himself. I mean that's just fucking masterful and you forget that it's the same guy. Yeah, right, totally. One question I had with the Tim Heidecker character and his wife and kids. They're such 
opposite like he and his wife and kids they don't seem to like each other like yeah i'm not really sure why they're, they're friends they're i would like to know how gabe and what's the yeah. Of, yeah why are they friends like it seems like they maybe were office buddies or something like they worked together and that's yeah. how they started hanging out because it definitely doesn't seem like the kids were ever friends and the wives were never friends yeah they just seem like they're miserable they're definitely like a sitcom, yeah, like, like an Everybody Loves Raymond style sitcom right. family, right? Like, why don't you just go shopping? I just want to golf. Right, or like the curious <laughs> consumption. They just have to have every new thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that scene where he's getting his wife a, oh, I gotta get rosé for my wife. He calls it her medicine or something. Right, <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, what do you say? And she's like, I hate you. You want thirds, huh? Thank you. Okay, so I my wife for medicine. Here you go. Uh, uh, what do we say? I hate you. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Adeline's family. They seem like a loving. They bicker, but they obviously care about each other yeah. and want to protect each other. And the difference being, Gabe goes out to check outside without Adelaide. Adelaide's like, don't go outside. And he's like, I'm just going to go outside and check. Right. Versus at <laughs> the other house where she's like, can you go check? And he's like, nope, I'm sitting in my chair. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> fucking going anywhere. I'm busy. I heard something outside. Okay. A rustling, walking like a person. There's a person walking around outside our fucking house. It's probably a squirrel. I don't know. Would you please get up and look? I'm busy. I'm, I'm busy. So. Get up and take a look. I'm scared. Oh, I don't want to. I want to stay down here. I want to just stay in my cozy spot. Get up and look. Jesus Christ. All right, I'm looking. Get my binoculars. I see nothing. I see beautiful stars. Are you really looking? Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, shit. No. Yeah, I, there's something out there. Don't fuck with me, Josh. I'm not fucking with you. I'm serious. There's something out there. Look, look behind the car. Where? I don't it's see it. By the car. I Look. Can't... Oh shit. What? <gasps> oh my god, it's OJ. It's OJ Simpson. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about with the scripts. Like yeah. he's so good with the fucking mirroring. Mocking his wife, like, oh yeah, I see OJ out there. Tim yeah. Decker is so good at being the shitty middle-aged white dude. He I really mean, is. Just, his boat is called Biatch. That was so perfect. It's so it was, perfect. That's yeah. 100% what that guy would name his boat. Yeah. Because he's like, I have a black friend. I can call it the Biatch. <laughs> Tim Heidegger is genius at that. His whole comedy is making fun of dudes like that, and he's not like that guy at all. He just looks like that, and that's why he's able to emulated so perfectly yeah, it's, it's pretty perfect <laughs> yeah. yeah and i love elizabeth moss's acting too yeah. i love what she's talking about how she said just just like a little something <laughs> <laughs> just a little little bit i've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of moby dick you know what i mean oh my god did you get something done just like a nancy betsy little little thing oh god <laughs> Just like you did last year. Thank you. I wrote down, (laughs) not that you need anything. Like that whole backpedaling of like, you should get something done. Not that you need anything. And then she adds, whore. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's the idea. You know, just like a little bit can go a long way. Not that you need anything. Whore. 
that's such a great characterizing moment yeah. of like I have to insult you in like a loving white girlfriend way because <laughs> they're obviously not friends I think that's so funny they must have been co-workers I that's the real di- di- dynamic co-worker dynamic status thing for Tim Heidecker and his friend it's like hey we have black friends see right no. we have a boat we have black friends right. <laughs> no shit you got the boat yep I got the boat good for you dude boom that's fucking awesome. What'd you get, a dinghy? Oh, shut up. You gotta, so you, you, you gotta make sure you have the essentials. You got the life preservers? Got that. You got a fire extinguisher? Got that. You have a flare gun? <laughs> I knew you'd fucking forget the flare gun. And that's why he wants Maybe to have everything the, that they have. The vacation that way on purpose. Like, oh, we're only going to overlap one day. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go on a vacation oh, together, we're, quote unquote. Oh, we're going there <laughs> too. When are you going? Oh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like everything is meaningful in his movie. So it probably isn't a mistake that their vacations don't really overlap. It's not really they're going on a vacation together. They're just both vacationing in that place. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we have to meet up. when they're on the beach and both Adeline and Elizabeth Moss are talking she's asking Adeline are you okay and Adeline's saying I don't really like talking you good? yeah what? I have a hard time just talking oh I get that yeah no I totally get that I just kind of was thinking, oh, they're not really close or they're not friends. But then it's like, oh, it's because she <laughs> was from the underground. You know, she's yeah. like Tether and they don't She probably talk. doesn't really have not used to talking friends and not. very many friends anyway. Or, I get the impression yeah. that she's very much all about hanging out with her family. And yeah. again, that's the kind of marriage they have is that they hang out together and enjoy each other's company yeah. more than other people's company versus, right. I think their name is Taylor's, which is a pretty good upper class white family name. They probably just all do their own thing and don't hang out. And vacation is kind of torture for them because they have to spend time together. Right, right. <laughs> it's definitely two different types of families. <laughs> yeah, I like to, I think about murdering him sometimes. Yes. <laughs> never stops. I think about murdering him sometimes. So nothing's changed, huh? Nope. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I really love Gabe when they got him from the Heideke and he's like, Heideke, what kind of white shit? Heideke, damn Heideke, Heideke. What kind of white shit? <sighs> that is very funny. That's like, I think, my favorite line. <laughs> and also, it didn't occur to me until this watch that, of course, she knows exactly where the hide a key is because she used to live there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was probably like, yeah, I remember where the fucking key is. And not that those things are at all subtle. Right. Oh, they right. have a fake rock outside for no reason. Right. But it also <laughs> kind of does say something about different classes of people yeah. in different sectors of society that if you have a key hidden under a rock, like right in front of your house, then fundamentally, you feel like nothing bad is really going to happen to you. Right. Right, like, exactly, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nobody will ever pick up this rock. It's akin to keeping your doors unlocked. Right, like the point <laughs> of the hide a key is your own carelessness. If you lost your own key, okay, there's one right over there. But that's the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you lose your key. You know? right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that says a lot about Adelaide's upbringing too, right? Because that was her childhood home. And that was originally yeah. Red's childhood home. Yeah, and I think there's maybe a line where Red tells her tether child don't burn our house down or something yeah like she says our house because like, mm-hmm. that's that's her house that yeah she grew up in Go play with boys. don't burn our house down 
Yeah, it's a lot there because it's like it was her house and then she's like, it's my house again now because of my plan to kill you and live in this house. I love the daughter Zora. Like she wanted to drive. This is what she wanted to do in the beginning. She mentions that when they get to the house and then I love that she is the one driving when they leave the house and she's like, I have the highest kill count. I'm driving. I'm driving. No way. Told her no. Dad's leg is messed up. You're handcuffed. It's not safe. I'm driving. Zora, no. I have the highest kill count in the family. You don't have the highest kill count. I killed both twins. Wrong. I just killed the second one. I killed Kitty. So that's one, 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 and two. I killed two. I killed myself and Josh, so. So it doesn't matter. It's a very teenage moment of like, I'm taking this opportunity. I was like, yeah, every opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I wrote down a passage too because Gabe's like, I killed two, I killed myself and Josh, so. I killed myself. I really like Gabe's seduction technique. I feel like that's such a delightfully relatable moment of like married sex. Gabe, I want to go. Where are you trying to go? All I got to do is, like, lie on the bed in my boxers with my legs spread open, (laughs) looking very comfortable. I just like his whole vibe. He's just so delightful. And then I like when Zora says, nobody wants the boat, because he keeps being like, what do you want? I'll give you money. I'll give you the boat. Nobody (laughs) wants the boat. (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me. Who do you want? You could have my wallet. You, you could have the car. Gabe. You could have the boat for all I care. <laughs> Nobody wants the boat, Dad. I also love that part where, again, how deeply ingrained capitalism is. It seems very clear they're not there to rob them. You yeah. Know? Like, right. it's obvious they have some mission. You're thinking is like, okay... I mean, there's some money at this problem. You know, yes, right. yeah, you can't fathom anything right. that isn't driven by the need right. for money or stuff. Yeah. There's no way it could be deeper than that. I love when they're driving in the beginning and I Got Five on it comes on the radio and Gabe is so excited. And... That's a classic right there. What does I got five on it mean? Zora tells Jason. It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. And then (laughs) it comes up like so many different times. Mm -hmm. The song. I think it was the dancing sequence or something like where it was like an instrumental of I got five on it. I thought that was really cool how that song appeared multiple times. That is really cool. And it is about drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's about going in on drugs, so it's like sharing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and then also let the line, if it weren't for you, I never would have danced at all. And to think, if it weren't for you, I never would have danced at all. Oh, I did think about that, too. I know we're not supposed to be thinking about <laughs> these sorts of literal interpretations, but it's funny that Red is a bad dancer. <laughs> She's kind of, like, stumbling around underneath, but Adelaide's actually a really good dancer. That's you know. so <laughs> yeah. I wrote down, that's yours. <laughs> when Pluto's locked in the closet and he's crying. Earlier you heard Jason crying in the closet and she has yeah. to go find him, but then later when Jason traps Pluto in the closet, that was kind of their unspoken plan, which was really cool, how she was like, show him one of your tricks. 
and that's all she had to say and he knew exactly what to do but i just thought it was really funny the way she's like it's kind of like play date vibe yeah. when someone's crying and she's like that's yours that's yeah. yours crying <laughs> i'm gonna stay here and you take care of that that's yours <laughs> yeah. you're like a mom. Which mom? Exactly, I know. Oh, I peaked at 14, didn't we all? It was kind of a funny exchange. Would you ever wish you kept dancing? Sometimes, yeah. Because you were like, you were really good, right? I peaked at 14. Oh, I mean, didn't we all? We all definitely did not. No, right? Yeah, I did not. Another thing I like about this is not a meaningful passage, just something I like. How in horror movies has always been the cliche that it's like the black guy is the first one to die. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how this splits that. The white family is killed instantly. I do love that and how they're killed because they were just so exceedingly white about things. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Ain't nothing bad gonna happen today. We're untouchable in our glass house. If I'm sure are. it's very meaningful that like an entire wall of our house is glass. Why do you yeah. have that? You want us to be able to see in your life? <laughs> Ugh, it's upsetting. Oh, I wrote down that shirt better not give her nightmares when she wins the thriller shirt because that's just so funny to think of like that's the least of her problems oh, is that yeah. thriller shirt. That shirt better not give her nightmares. In trouble for winning my daughter a t-shirt. <laughs> that's a new one. She was terrified when I came on to Oh my god. That's not what's gonna give her nightmares. I remember Thriller gave me nightmares. My dad likes to tell the story about how we used to go roller skating every Saturday and they played the Thriller video at the roller rink and I left the roller rink and went to hide under a table oh. in the concession area until it was oh. over. Yeah, that was a terrifying video. Yeah. I loved Thriller. I don't know, I was not scared by that. There were lots of things that did scare me, but not that. It's interesting though, because my kids are scared by a lot of stuff, but we were at the EMP. I guess it's it's been called Mopop for a long time. Sorry. Right, <laughs> I'm old. We were at Mopop and they were just playing it on whatever that area is with the big movie screen. It just started and they plopped down there like, we're watching this, whatever it is. And I was like, uh-oh, they're going to be freaked out. And they totally were not. <laughs> and it good. is weird because like they won't watch Coraline because it's yeah, too scary. Oh, wow. And they love the ending that I think a lot of kids were scared by where Michael Jackson looks at the camera and he's got the, the cat eyes. Yeah. They were like, ha-ha, that's hilarious. But you never know what a kid is going to be freaked out by. Yeah. You just never know. Well, some things you can guarantee, but... <laughs> like poltergeist for instance dad um i just like this whole sequence where adelaide is telling the story and she's facing away from gabe when she's telling the story there's just a lot of very symbolic shots of people facing away because of a very spooky shot in the beginning where she finds herself in the fun house and she finds the back of her head when she's been looking in mirrors that's just Ooh. such a terrific horror reveal so fucking spooky not a jump scare, but it's still so scary. And then later you see her son drew a picture of himself on the beach, and it's the back of his head looking at the back of the guy, oh. the tethered head, with the blood dripping off the hand. And then right after that, she's telling the story to Gabe about the fun house, and she's facing out the window and looking at her reflection. And she says, I don't feel like myself. And then Gabe says, I think you look like yourself. Being here, it... feels like there's this um, black cloud just hanging over me and uh, I don't feel like myself. I think you look like yourself.
I mean, obviously, there's just so many layers there. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Uh. What else does a suicide need, huh? I also wrote down, why is it so scary to film a car from above? Because that's something that they do. I mean, it's in Midsummer. I think the first time anyone did it was in The Shining. I think it's the Stanley Kubrick. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Correct me out there in Podland if there's anybody who can think of an earlier shot. It is just always a really good way to spookily introduce a movie is to shoot a car from directly above. And now anyone can do it. You don't have to rent a helicopter anymore. It's so cheap. I really like it in Midsummer too because it's not only from above, but it's upside down. (laughs) So that's extra spooky. Filming any carnival at night in a movie is really scary to me. It always feels ominous. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite movies as a kid, like I watched the lost boys yeah. a bunch of times and, <laughs> and it's like, the same carnival there yeah like, yeah because they reference the big dipper and i rode that once when i went to, I, i've only been to santa cruz once but i was like and this is where they hung from the bridge or whatever mm. and the lost boys but carnivals at night man they just are scary <laughs> and why do they call fun houses fun houses because they're the opposite of fun did you ever see watcher in the woods oh my god yes i love that that movie scene where she's in the hall of mirrors is so freaky that was a good example of a movie that was supposed to be for kids that actually was way scarier than (laughs) yeah i think they underestimated betty davis's ability to be scary as fuck yeah yeah and mirrors definitely they're ironically named fun houses but it is funny too that it's the same exact boardwalk as the lost boys and they even mentioned that they're filming a movie over there and it think it's supposed to be the lost boys that they're filming they didn't have to change anything to shoot there to make it look like oh, yeah. the 1980s they hadn't changed anything since okay. the 80s really the only thing they changed was the facade of the fun house Oh, yeah, I noticed that, too, because it was like a... Right, like a vision quest. It was... Right. Yeah. And then they changed it to Merlin's Forest or something later, but it still said find yourself underneath. I loved using good vibrations. That's so good. Yeah. Hello? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of like an American Psycho style, like ironic songs. Or I guess yeah. it's maybe again it's Kubrick because it starts with singing in the rain. Right. And... Oh, that was off. Ugh. But yeah, that's always good with the ironic songs right. while you're murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what's called a lunchtime poll. So there are some clues throughout the movie about Adelaide secretly being a tether. And one of them is that she snaps on the offbeat to I Got Five On It. Mm-hmm. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. And then when they're all eating fast food, she's eating strawberries. I'm sure there are other clues. Those are the only ones I know. So today's lunchtime <laughs> is if you were a tether secretly, what would be a tell that's giving it away? What do you do a little differently? Your tethered tell. The only thing I can contribute here is the alliteration. <laughs> What's your tethered tell, Christina? My tethered tell. Well, oh, she's supposed to be sharing that oh little part. <laughs> We've got a dog eating a pillow right now. Oh my gosh. Rosie, you are naughty. You're a naughty doggy. Take your turkey. Come on. Take your turkey. The things you have to say to dogs. 
This one was kind of hard for me. Ooh, um, this seems very normal, I see. I've very carefully curated my whole life not to let anyone know I'm a tether. No, I trust <laughs> it, man. Wouldn't I run away for this to be revealed? No, like I, we drink a lot of Diet Coke and have soda in the house a lot. He's like, I can always tell which drink is mine because you don't open the can all the way or something. Oh. And I was like, really? <laughs> I'd never noticed it. You, you don't, don't push open, the thing all the way I in? I don't push the thing all the way in. I never really knew I did that. That's like a weird thing that I didn't know was weird. But yeah, <laughs> this is good for this significant other. If you have one. I was thinking about access, kind of like what we were talking in, in the beginning. I've had braces two times and that would be an obvious difference. My teeth would be totally different probably if I was a tether. I don't know what the orthodontics access down there was like, but I would assume I would assume pretty it was terrible. Right, it's right. DIY, just like everything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Is this I yeah, I mean how far in does he push it? I feel like, like all see. the way in. Maybe Andrew's the tether. Yeah. yeah maybe he is. What are you trying to prove? It's I coming know. out. It's now. coming out. Like, you don't need to, does I he like drink? to guzzle his poke? I guess. I don't, I don't know. But I was like, I never knew I was doing that weirdly. We've got a Coke right here, people. And it doesn't look that weird to me. <laughs> I don't know. I would like to see one of Andrew's. You blow it tonight, girl. And it's keggers with kids all next year. Do you want to do the lunchtime poll yeah, that we talked about? Sure, okay. How would we I, figure out Logan was a tether? I actually don't know. I feel like I Ooh, do what? when you drink something like out oh, of the side yeah. of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's I'll a drink, big tell. I'll Have drink you noticed out of the side like... of my mouth most of the time. And I Especially if it's why. out of a bottle. I have to look away or pour it in a glass. Like I don't know why it bugs me. That is probably do it. Do you spill a lot when you do that way? No. It's no, just, it just, just a different way that I do it. Upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> upset is too strong. It's not even that it's just the side. It's also like sideways. All right, so this one's busted. You are a tether. I am a tether. I'll keep you, though. Sorry, kid underground. <laughs> I'm sure they've adjusted by now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will be no consequences to that act of switching. <laughs> yep. That one's not masterminding an uprising. Oh, yeah, I'm kind. not. I don't know. We can actually probably use an I uprising mean, at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it did. I mean, who would we know? I'd be right? open to an uprising. Anything's on the table right now. Yeah, yeah this is <laughs> one where you need someone else to tell you. Yeah. You My husband told me right away for some reason the thing he thought of. <laughs> And I don't know, I feel like it's not that weird, but he's like, I think there's a bunch of them, but the first thing that comes to mind is that you don't put ice in your water. Uh, and I oh, was like, huh. European, huh? I'm not like, no ice in my water ever. Like, in a restaurant, <laughs> it's fine. I feel like I'm not fussy about my water. I just drink it right out of the tap. Unless I go to another state, and then I'm like, ugh, this water's awful. <laughs> I'm very snobby about my Washington tap water, but I love my Washington tap water tepid. Yeah. But one. that's not what I thought of. It's kind of a general thing because the first thing I thought of is how I don't like to take my bra off to sleep. You sleep in a bra? Yeah. Whoa. Well, I'm just generally more comfortable in a bra than not in a bra. But I was like, is that just because I have huge tits? But then I do know other women with big tits who still feel more comfortable without a bra on. But I don't like the feeling of my tits flopping around. And then it reminded me of other things, like how I've never liked to wear jeans. I'm generally not very comfortable in pants. Like, I prefer to wear skirts. I'll wear my shorts, you know, my little bike shorts under them. The only pants I'm comfortable in are pajama pants. And I'm not going to wear pajama pants out in public. So in general, like the things that are comfortable to me are different than what usually people find comfortable. Is the biggest thing I thought of. Like over the years, people have been shocked by like you just worry about the bra. 
Yeah, I don't like sleeping in my bra. I, just... I mean, I'm also, I'm like, <laughs> fix it. Because for me, the bras I wear are basically a training bra. Like a bralette, <laughs> almost like a little sports bra. I would imagine that yours have more construction to them. A little bit. I've started to get away from underwires over the years. Just because I've heard that you're more likely to get cancer with underwires. Oh, <laughs> and I have a family wow. history of breast cancer now. It's uncomfortable for me to sleep with my tits flopping around. And it gets extra sweaty and... The sweaty, yeah. And they kind of, they're just, (laughs) it's not comfortable. That's what I got. And I'm sure my husband will think of others. Anyway. According to Jessica, I say Mario weird. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's how Mario Lopez says his own name. As in Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sounding weird when you say it because that's... Mario is how I would say it. Mario. Mario. It's definitely Mario Lopez. I bet if we no, looked it up. I'm gonna YouTube him introducing himself. It's Mario Lopez. Oh I am for sure <laughs> looking this up. This will be a drop in right here. What's up everyone? Amelia Lopez here. Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez. Mario. Mario Lopez. It's Mario! (laughs) (laughs) So that's not the thing to the tether. This is a thing that I learned from Laura. So I have heard that if you hug somebody who has breast implants, you can tell. You feel these little bumps against you and it's like, oh, I didn't know that that person had breast implants. And I was talking to Laura for some reason about that and I'm like, but I have knowingly hugged someone with breast implants and I did not notice anything and Laura says yeah but you hug weird <laughs> I have to say sadly she kind of ruined hugging for me because I'm always aware of it but anyway she's like well you hug kind of off to the side she's like my shoulder bone kind of bumps into her neck and I'll do a full frontal hug so now I'm aware of it and it's like either I hug the way I want to which is a little bit to the side but I'm aware of it so it's a little bit like oh I'm doing a weird thing or I'll hug the I guess non-tethered way <laughs> That's too much for me. It's too intimate. I guess that is the thing that I hug weird. Although you said that you also do the side. I do go in for a side hug because I feel weird about pressing my tits up against people. (laughs) I do hug my kids full frontal and they do end up getting pressed into my boobs. But I think that's a mom's right (laughs) (laughs) to smother their children in their tits. (laughs) So that's, but those are the only people that you hug like that. That's (laughs) definitely not why I do the side Mm -hmm. hug. That's a good, I don't have the same kind of tits. I never noticed the side hug. Hug, so oh, that's kind of so interesting. I have really blown my cover, I guess. Mm. <laughs> We're all tethered. How very. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, we say hello to Lulu Wang's 2019 family drama, The Farewell, starring Aquafina. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, or join us on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.